Hi, this is Jesse, your host, and welcome to a new episode of Marketing Talks by OSB. Today, I have Sada Hamad with me. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. You're most welcome. Today, we're going to talk about public relations. Today, what's happening? What's going to happen in 2024? But please let me introduce you first. Uh, you're an award-winning senior communications. You are a public relations and strategy consultant and trainer. You're also a university lecturer. And let me say, you're a pioneer of the region's public relations industry and with a reputation for excellence at both strategy and execution. For the past 30 years in public relations, you have helped secure a seat for PR at the boardroom table. I like that. And you have also several regional and international brands through your journeys at Memak Ogilvy, General Motors, Dubai Commerce and Tourism Promotion Board. So who's going to be better than you to tell us about public relations today? I'm really happy that you join us. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. Um, before we jump to 2024, uh, what are the trends and so forth, I think we should start maybe by talking about what's going on today, given the circumstance, uh, circumstances uh, in the region. Uh, and you know a lot of people now are boycotting multinational brands. Can you tell us how boycott started in the past and today what's your say about what's going on? Thank you, Jesse, for having me again. Uh, let's start with what boycott is. A boycott is to withdraw from a commercial or a social relationship with someone or an organization or even a government in protest. You want them to hear your voice. Okay, I'm not okay with what you are doing. So I don't want to deal with you. That's boycott. And it's not new, believe it or not. This was, this started, I, I don't know if this was the first time, but definitely the first big event where we see boycott was in Britain, in Grand Britain. Um, the slave masters, sorry to call them like that, used to use slaves to produce sugar. Okay. And because of the relationships with corrupt politicians, sugar prices were kept at a high level. Mm -hmm. so, so they used slaves, they sold sugar at high prices, and they were making money all around. Mm -hmm. So until this lady, Elizabeth uh, uh, Heyrich, came out and said, well, enough is enough. This was around 1820, something like that. Enough is enough. Uh, she started printing pamphlets and flyers inviting people to boycott sugar produced by slaves. Ah. So uh, groceries were no more uh, stocking uh, this sugar. People were not buying it. What this meant? Meant that uh, sugar prices dropped yes. because there was sugar not produced by slaves mm. that was being uh, now very much in demand. And number two, with time, Slavery was abolished. Okay. So, so there is there is value in really not waiting for the slow pace of change. Sometimes you have to force this change, mm -hmm. and I think this is what's happening. If you weren't born, but Coca-Cola, for example, was on the Arab boycott list between 1967 and 1988. Why? They took a side in the political uh, uh, conflict between Arabs and Israel. Mm. They were on the wrong side from an Arab's perspective and mm. they were boycotted. Mm -hmm. And Coca-Cola is still somehow 
paying the price of that position. If you notice, whenever there are calls for boycott, Coca-Cola comes on top of the list. Mm. Other examples here in the Middle East, um, after September 11 and this prejudice against Muslims and Arabs and so forth, again, people felt offended. They needed to defend themselves. And they said, okay, we'll stop we will stop consuming American brands because they are taking a position and against us. So one smart Tunisian uh, French businessman came up with the idea of Mecca-Cola. It's just giving us an alternative. And it was extremely successful. Mm -hmm. And some markets, you still find it. Actually, you still find it. But in some markets, it's more successful because of sales and marketing drives more than others. Remember, in 2005, I think, the Danish brands, mm. because uh, of the cartoons. Of the cartoons, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And Danish dairy brands are still suffering mm. to go back to their levels of sales in the region mm. because of that. So, yes. So, are we saying here consumers would in the boycott would stop buying? Does it stop here? Or maybe they would harm in a different way or in another way? No, it's, it's, it's just they're shouting their, uh, their the, point of view. Their point of view. Mm. And okay. they want brands to take a stance, to adjust its position. Okay. So, and they want to make the brands feel, feel the hurt. Mm. What mm. is in their power as consumers? The purchasing it power. Is the purchasing exactly. power. So if I stop buying from you, yeah. you will have to, over time, feel the, the pain. And, and it will impact, of course, it because will. on, uh, let me say here, on 7 December 2023, uh, we saw on the news that Starbucks lost, had losses of around $11 billion. So it 100% impacts uh, and it hurts, like you said. Uh, but what? A, but do you think people would do this for a short term? Like for now, what's going on? Um, do you think is this a fad, like a short term thing or it's going to take years and it's going to be a long term movement? Let me go back to those $11 billion. I, I, I heard the same thing. But um, when we are talking about this kind of companies, obviously yes. the, the impact on their market evaluation and the share price and so forth, takes it's more of a mid to long term kind of impact. So it takes time to, to see because we have mm. to wait for the quarter earnings or the end of the year earnings. But what we can do short term is look at what's happening. Uh, we're seeing empty cafes or mm. extremely lightly frequented. Starbucks and H&M in Morocco, they closed down. They closed down. There is even a Starbucks in Chicago that closed down, believe oh. it or not. Mm -hmm. Chicago is an Arab city in the United States. Mm. So people stop going there and they say the, the, the place, the venue, the store is up for uh, rental or oh, sale. Wow. So... This is serious. Uh, we're looking at uh, piles of stock, sales promotions right, left, and center for some of the brands that are being targeted, trying to, to continue to move their product. Uh, the national newspaper in the UAE uh, wrote an article a couple of weeks ago, and they spoke to some of the 
executives uh, from some of these multinational companies like the soft drinks companies, Coke, Pepsi, and other companies like uh, Carrefour, Starbucks, and so forth. And they said that their distributors were unable to move the stocks. The stocks were piling up. Oh. Number two, you're getting uh, you're getting offers to buy three for the price of one. one. At the same time, we are seeing alternatives. Yes. So there is a fizzy drink in Jordan that's sold mainly in Jordan and uh, and Iraq is very much in demand. Egypt, there was a a soft drinks by the name of Spear. This it was a company established in the 1920 by a Greek man who was living in, in Egypt. It's still produced, but really uh, small quantities and so forth. Recently, they found all this uh, demand and uh, they thought, ah, oh, okay, this is our chance. Yes. And this is what boycott is about, creating alternatives for local businesses. Yes. So they needed uh, to fill because of the uh, the increased demand, they needed to fill, I think, around 300 positions, jobs, because they need to produce more. They got 45,000 applications. Oh. So they are also providing jobs. Oh, nice. Okay. In Jordan, you will hear stories about uh, um, delivery companies. Now, are no, people are not ordering pizza and burgers for the dinner of their kids. They're ordering shawarma, they're ordering falafel, and they're not getting the Coke or the Pepsi with their orders. They're getting local alternatives or uh, Iran or this visitor. So it is serious. Yeah. It is definitely serious because it's not just highly emotional. It's not just highly emotional. For some time, we thought that boycott is, it, it spikes, then go back mm. because people are emotional during certain periods of, uh, of time, especially now with the war and the atrocities and the genocide. Uh, no, this is much more than that. There is business. When a company, a brand, a big brand, takes a position with one side, it's automatically alienating the other side. Do you and think, let me interrupt you, just yes. I need to ask you this. Do you think social media helped with this with this huge impact of boycott during this during this war? Absolutely. And thank God for Generation Z mm -hmm. and the millennials. I mean they for many years in the past few years governments political parties uh, were thinking that this generation has no interest in public affairs and politics and whatever is happening. It turned around out the opposite. They surprised, every, they shocked everybody. True. And well done. And they are doing it so well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're not aggressive. They're not violent. Yes. They're walking the talk, if yes. you want. And uh, they're hurting, I guess. They are hurting, definitely. Amazing. So if we're going to say now PR in 2024, can you give us maybe like five trends that we could expect 
Yeah, definitely. Before we go to 2024, we talked about what uh, brands are doing wrong. I think we should also yeah. close that loop sure. by saying, yes, they are expected to take a position because they are expected to live up to the values that they preach. They want to be seen as good citizens and so forth. Listen, they are expected to take a position, but do you personally recommend them to take a position? Because, well, because it's going to be with this party or with that party. And there are clients or a fan base with this party or that party. So either way, they're going to lose one of the uh, fan base, let's say. Yeah, there are a couple of, uh, of perspectives on that. First of all, brands should, uh, should walk the talk. I mean, with the Black Lives Matter, mm. many, many of these large companies were quick to announce their support to the movement. How? Because they thought they were being on the right side. side. Here, what's happening? Mm. Okay, what mm. is the right side? Where mm. is justice? Mm. Where are genocides being committed? One. Number two, there is no way, there is no hiding today. Everything is out there, Online. exposed. Yes. Okay, so you can't follow double standards, you can't deceive your customers, and so forth. So the debate around whether brands should take positions or not, uh, it's a big debate, mm. honestly. Mm. And with social media and this generation and so forth, it's going to take a lot more to come to a recommendation. But the recommendations are two. First yes. of all, uh, live up to the values. You say every brand says they want to be human. Mm. They want... Uh, to be on the right of justice. Take that position. Mm -hmm. Number two, if you want to get involved in political and social affairs, do your homework first. Mm. Do your homework first. Mm. And doing your homework might require that you look at uh, every region uh, in isolation of our. Don't just be uh -huh. driven by your short-term and financial uh, interest mm. you need to look at the big picture because we as a market we count we count and let's make them feel how much we count mm. nice with the beauty uh, when we had the war uh, uh, during actually the war uh, she was uh, she showed she showed actually her support uh, to Palestine and then uh, the other party of course they boycotted her brand they stopped buying from her and she and she said out loud I don't care for yeah. me I stand up by what I believe is right and so forth just like you said absolutely look at the two sisters Bella and Gigi Hadid I mean some of the biggest names in fashion and uh, they're not afraid to take positions. Mm. Bella said it clearly. I might lose work because she lost of... her contract with Dior. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't care. I will stand up for what I believe in, and uh, that's what we want more of. This. I wish brands would start learning from influencers, and this is. Uh, I I feel this is going to be a trend. Maybe it's just starting. Um, uh, to materialize, but brands need to learn from uh, influencers. Okay, let's talk about the influencers a little bit. Okay, we yeah? will talk about. Do influence. you think? Uh, do you think uh, 
they are part of the trends of public relations in 2024? They are. They're here to say, and I think they've learned to do their job better, that uh, buzz around influencers and just being there for and having followers for the sake of being there is, uh, is, has slightly changed. I think influencers now take positions on political and social uh, issues uh, and they're doing a good job. That's why I think brands need to learn from them. As long as influencers take positions on topics that matter to their followers, mm. which is exactly what brands need to say mm -hmm. to do. As mm -hmm. I said before, they need to do their homework. Mm -hmm. uh, so influencer marketing is definitely here to stay. Uh, we had some attempt with computer-generated influencers yes. and so on. I don't know if this is going to grow. It has done for some luxury brands, but Yes, there's a Spanish AI also model. She has a big account, yeah. And uh, for uh, which is which is crazy for some brands. They're saying it's more cost effective to work with an AI model than to work with a real model who's <laughs> yeah. not humble, who's asking for yeah. niche numbers. Yeah. Also, we have an AI songer and writer, yeah. uh, uh, singer. Sorry, she sings her own. She writes and she sings her own yeah. her own songs. Yeah. Also, she's an AI yeah. uh, singer. So yeah, that's coming. I think it's. I mean. We have to wait and see to see if it's going to yeah, boom or not. Yeah, some of these trends, uh, sometimes they don't last. They don't evolve into something lasting. So we'll have to, to wait. wait. And, see. And, and, and remember, technology is changing every day. Just look at the social media platforms, mm. uh, their algorithms, and, uh, and what works, what doesn't work is, is changing all the time. True. And we really need to be there. up to date. Up to date. Yes. So uh, brands on social media, uh, do you think, um, I mean, as social media, as a platform, do you really think brands, uh, it helps brands with their PR? Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, when, uh, when social uh, platforms uh, were created, it took a, a little bit of a while for public relations to learn how to use these. Mm -hmm. And then we got into a phase where we were using them as just another channel okay. of communication. So you have print, a broadcast, you have events, you, and uh, uh, social media was just another, another channel. Actually, what we have seen over the past uh, two years, that social media is much more than a channel uh, for public relations. Uh, it allows you 24-7 kind of engagement with any kind of audience you have, not just the customers, okay, but the businesses, governments, influencers, and so on. Number two, social media platforms has given public relations a great gift which is the use of data analytics and science, mm. not only to help in developing strategies and plans, but also in measuring the effectiveness of what we are saying and what we are doing. So social media is definitely a part of public relations. As I said, it's not just a channel. It's definitely growing and will continue uh, to grow. The second aspect of social media and digital in general is crises and issues. Mm. I mean, this has been on the rise for years now. 
definitely a lot of it goes back to the idea that anybody is now a journalist. Anybody can take a, a picture, post it, create a buzz around it. And if it's a negative uh, a picture, then you most likely are creating an issue or a crisis for a brand. And there are, there are certain rules. Uh, you have to manage the situation. To, you have to deal or limit the negativity that comes from such a thing. In the past, when, for example, there would be an airplane crash, sometimes it took us two or three days to know about it. Now it's live. Mm. You, <laughs> and you engage with, uh, with the, the families of the passengers and with governments and the organizations and so forth. So... Whether it's a small reputational issue or a big crisis, uh, these are really on the rise, and more and more brands have to deal with these. And this is a core part of what public relations do. So this is, this is the case mainly because of social media. Uh, what would the, the PR workforce look like in 2024, and what skills do you think they should really, really have? Uh, look, the, the fundamental skills of public relations will continue to be valid, obviously, uh, the, um, to be action-oriented, to focus on results, uh, to be able to, to deal with a lot of data and focus on the results uh, uh, that will deliver on the objectives, business acumen, we have to understand how can I uh, support a hospital if I don't understand how hospitals work? Yeah. How can I support a bank if I don't understand how banks work? Mm. So this a business acumen is extremely important. So some organization, priority setting, all these fundamental uh, competences, I would say, in public relations will continue to be valid, as well as the principles about truth, value, transparency, and so forth. In terms of skills, there are a number of areas that have been evolving and require public relations people to learn. Because when you talk about skills, you don't just develop skills for, for the now. Mm. You have to look at the future and what is evolving. Technology does not stop evolving. And everybody is, is promising us more new things. So They should be flexible. Stay up to date. Absolutely. Yeah. So artificial intelligence. Yeah. And artificial intelligence is not here to replace us, but we need to know how to work with artificial intelligence applications because <laughs> it can help us a lot with those tedious, repetitive tasks, tasks and so forth. Yeah. A, the second one is bringing that science and data analytics to our work. Third is really to understand digital marketing and how we integrate and how we work together. Mm. This is a mindset kind of thing. It's mm. no more public relations. is no more about servicing the, the traditional media in terms of press or product broadcast and so forth. So we need to acquire these skills and mindset that will help us continue to succeed in the future, not just now. Amazing, amazing. Any final thoughts before we conclude? Uh, well, in terms of uh, 
of being resilient and being flexible, open-minded, mm. because mm. the world around us continue to change. Mm. Uh, maybe public relations is one of those disciplines that has evolved the most. Yeah. Uh, since the start, we're talking about the Greeks and the Romans and how oratory was used to motivate and mobilize troops and publics. And that's how it started until now where you are talking, oh, resolving, managing issues and crises and so forth. It all happened because of this resilience, this um, tendency or this willingness to evolve, embrace the changing customer needs and trends and likes, and also to keep up with uh, evolving technologies. So I think public relations is about resilience, and we need more of that in the coming years. Nice, nice. Thank you so much for this amazing talk. Uh, I would like to remind our audience that Marketing Talks is available on both YouTube and Spotify. Make sure you turn on the alert so that you don't miss our next episode. Thanks for watching and listening, and see you in the next one.